Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. The scenario is The Ice of Paula 7. It was written by Matt Ryan and Noah Lloyd, and it's available from ReckoningOfTheDead.com. I'm the Game Master, and this is a one-shot scenario. So without any further delay, let's begin our journey into the darkness. The year is 2290. In the reaches of space, man has expanded out to the nearest star systems. Civilization is expanding. Civilization needs resources, and there's good money to be made. Paulet LBD451 is a class L brown dwarf star, about 26, 23 times the mass of Jupiter, small enough to give off heat and a reddish light, but not large enough to fuse hydrogen and ignite into a full-blown star. It's located 1.5 light years from Earth. It has a number of small satellites. Paulet 7 is an ice planet in orbit, orbit around this brown dwarf star. It's covered in 27 kilometer deep oceans of ice. Uh, below that is a thin rock crust and below that is the liquid metal interior. The miners live in hub-like stations scattered across the planet. There are nine of these stations. A few miles away from each is a huge mech called a plug. It's used to bore holes through the ice to the crust and into the magma. Harvesters are then lowered to extract valuable minerals, platinum, gold, palladium, and rhodium, as well as more common elements such as iron and nickel. These are collected and transferred to mass drivers, which accelerate their cargo to around 35,000 miles an hour and fling them into space. The packages are later slowed and retrieved by huge magnets next to the O'Neill cylinder, and then later distributed to orbiting processing plants throughout the sector. Today is supply day, something the inhabitants look forward to every three and a half years. In a few hours, the Union Star, a Jellicoe-class freighter, uh, some five stories high, will be landing and offloading enough food and supplies to last three and a half years. It will also be collecting most of the most valuable resources the miners have collected. This is where the real cash-in happens. Currently, in 2290, a single gram of rhodium goes for around 10,000 credits. Multiply that by a million and you have a metric ton. The workers at Global Station have collected 80 metric tons in the last three and a half years. That's three quarters of a trillion credits. Not bad at all. The miners all rise early and head to breakfast. Most are happy that the dwindling supply of three and a half year old bacon uh, will be replenished with fresh, well, fresher meats. Inside the dome, it's warm and comfortable. Outside, the wind howls over the extinct boreholes dotted for miles around and plays a strange hollow sounding music like monstrous droning pipe organs in a cathedral made of ice. So you're all gathered together for breakfast. Ah, man. Even the warmer's cold. Anybody got anything special coming in on the uh, shipment? I'm off duty right now, so I know I do. 
Uh, I'm waiting for the next one, then I can get the uh, get the hell off this ice cube. That'll be the day. A nice what day. It, what is it that you antip- anticipate, Absalom? I got this a uh, little bit of mushrooms coming in, some cyboacillin. Ah, your eyes were a fun kind of guy. I mean, how long can we listen to the money holes making their glorious singing sounds? Seems to be a curious environment to invite uh, hallucinations in. I just brought a dose for each of us, that's all. I mean, I know I'm security and all, but we got to live a little bit while we're here. Well, the last time I saw the last Confederate Confederation uh, officers that came out here to check for contraband was 5.5 years ago. I doubt that they will confiscate your mushrooms. Well, I'd pay them off a little bit. I got that uh, case of 14-year-old scotch coming in, too. It is interesting that you enjoy uh, antiquated stimulants as well as having other historical uh, interests, Absalom. You know, like I said, we got to pass the time. I don't know about you. Six was a good year. <laughs> I got seven years left on this gig, and then I'm cashing out. Right there with you. Three and a half, and then. Early retirement. <laughs> Going somewhere warm. I will never want to see ice ever again unless it's in a unless it's in a glass with something strong. How do you plan on spending the rest of your natural lifetime? Doing as little as possible with as much money as possible. Got my eye on a place on Salvini Seven and Seven Little Wives there too. Little house on the prairie, huh? Uh, it's right on the pebble beach with that orange glow from their uh, two sons. Hot as hell. Station chief Hannah Sim uh, crosses the room and she says, uh, Gray, you're going to have to satisfy those little brides of yours. You think <laughs> you're up to it? Absolutely. At the end of the day, they all want money anyway. Well, if you guys have any um, communiques that you want to send, any packages and stuff like that, you need to pull them together. Um, Union Star will be here probably in the next two hours, I would say. They're on that trajectory coming in. Um, I'm going to need everybody to, to be unloading, um, sure. unless you have something critical that's going on with the plug or with the, the driver. Now all the readouts from the rigs uh, came back good. Actually, there's two uh, two gaskets that need to be replaced, but that's going to be fine if we take care of that in the next week or so. There's plenty of durability left. I'll pack those up, X, um, when uh, before we head out next. Good. Well, this is one of those good days. We've got some stuff coming in. Um, did I hear you, Grace, saying you have some contraband coming in? Good. Of course, and I got your uh, little, and I wink at her. 
discussion. We'll keep that between us. But of course. <laughs> so there are other people here. You guys are, are sitting at table. Uh, the crews are, are coming in uh, that were just recently out uh, so that they can have their rest period and you guys will go back out and uh, check your stuff and then uh, get ready to unload in a couple of hours. The, uh, when when I see them coming in, I run over to them and I give them the bio scan and check their ID. Even though, and then they complain to me, we go through this every day. And I'm like, you're goddamn right, we go through this every day. Anyone in or out of this building passes through me before they get in. And I do the retinal scan and everything. Now, the Union Star is a, uh, a big freighter. And it brings enough food and supplies for you for three and a half years. Um, Imagine, if you will, like an old-fashioned uh, cargo ship on the, uh, out in the ocean comes in. It's completely filled with box, basically big boxes, big metal boxes. Um, some of those will have uh, goods that are laid in a trench uh, near the station uh, because you have natural refrigeration on the, the planet. You don't need to, to freeze things. Um, and they'll remain there. Uh, your uh, your mechs can lift them and uh, distribute them as you need them. Uh, then a lot of the other supplies will go into the dome. Uh, but you've got people coming from all of the other uh, stations uh, to pick up. Uh, your The dock is uh, about 20 miles from the station, so it takes you a bit to get out there. But you go in the... Um, you go in the uh, uh, transports that you have. Well, you you can you'll be in the mech suits, and the mech suits will get into a transport. And the transports will drive you out there. Uh, the the surface of the planet is mostly smooth. There's a few places where there's there's you know large gashes in the ice or cracks or uh, I guess what you'd call mountain ranges, except that they aren't mountains. They're just piles of ice. But most of the planet is fairly smooth, which means the wind blows pretty strongly. Uh, and you can tell this morning that the, the winds are blowing. Uh, you can hear the singing of the, uh, the boreholes. Um, so let's just move ahead to that point. Uh, you, uh, you have uh, done whatever you needed to do this morning, check your instrumentation and everything. Uh, and you have, uh, you're in your mechs and you're driving out towards the, uh, the landing bay. Uh, and as you arrive, you arrive probably 10 or 15 minutes before the ship arrives. Uh, and you can see it. You can see it up in space. You can see it. It's, it's a bright star up there in the sky that's getting brighter and bigger as it's coming in like an airplane. Um, it's quite impressive. Uh, it is literally five stories high. Uh, even to your mechs, it's it's impressive. Um, not quite as impressive though as the uh, the mass driver, which is in the background. That's that's almost ten miles long, and you can see it occasionally firing stuff off into outer space as it goes. The ship comes in and begins to dock. 
And you can tell that it's having a little difficulty stabilizing uh, with the high winds that are going on. But they're on a pretty tight schedule. Uh, they've got three and a half years back uh, to the, the supplies to, or, or I'm sorry, they'd have half that time back. So they're eager to unload and get it done. And it's probably going to take you eight hours at least to unload. Uh, the, the docking bay opens, um, and you can see they've got crews. The ship, despite the size of it, only has 16 crew on the entire ship. Uh, and you get to work. You start unloading. Uh, there's no questions to be asked. You know exactly what you're doing. Uh, you're given manifests of everything in the ship, and uh, you begin to unload. As you're unloading, you can tell even in your mechs that the wind is picking up. Uh, it doesn't usually blow this hard, but it can. Uh, for some reason, the temperature on the planet might be fluctuating, and that's causing the wind to, uh, to speed up, and there's nothing to stop it since it's a fairly smooth planet. Uh, four hours into unloading, and the ship begins to drift. Uh, they try to compensate with uh, thrusters. But you watch as the moorings of the ship pull tight and suddenly begin to snap. And when they snap, these gigantic cables come whipping around. I'd need you all to do uh, dodge rolls. Make sure you don't get hit by one of these cables as it snaps. Oh, seven. Hard. All right. So you managed to jump out of the way before these things uh, whip. I'll cash in four points of luck and make that a regular success. I will do the same. And I rolled really bad as very common, 96. Oof like bad starts with me to go on <laughs> great and am i spider? cleaved in half <laughs> spider how did you do i uh was lucky i don't have much dodge but i rolled a 28 okay um ross uh your mech uh is struck by one of these cables as it goes and uh you are flung backwards maybe 150 feet um, I would like you to just roll a 1d4 for damage. All right on. Okay. Of course, a four. <laughs> Great. Your, your mech is okay. It might be scraped a little. It hasn't been damaged, but you're not so lucky because you're inside the cab and you get flung around quite badly in the cab. Um, so the others, as the ship starts to drift, there's not really anything you can do about it. The captain of that ship needs to do something. You guys can see Ross has been flung over and his mech is lying on its back on the ground. Um, Cleverton, the... are you conscious? I'm, I'm conscious. I've, I got crushed in the side pretty good, but uh, I'll be okay. I just need help getting this mech back up. It's not responding on the left side. Cleverton. I wonder if you shouldn't dig into the ice instead. What do you think, uh, Absalon? 
He needs to get up and on his feet now in case more of those come down. And I start taking off towards him. All right. Leverton, I will submit to you the sinker uniforms to fill out an event of an injury. Oh, thanks, Dax. I know you always got my back with the forms. The See um, it now. reason for injury impersonating ping pong ball. <laughs> um, the Union Star begins to drift badly. It starts scraping along the ice uh, as it's doing this. They're trying to fire some retros, but the retros are not doing what they think they should do. It's causing the ship to twist. And as it's twisting, it's heading straight for the mass driver. And um, there's panic all around. The, the radio comm suddenly goes wild as uh, communication is like, you know, you need to pull forward, pull forward like this. But before they can do that, uh, you see the back end of the Union Star uh, sort of scrapes the, the mass driver. And uh, when it does, uh, part of the ship is hit by uh, something being flung out of the mass driver. Uh, there's an explosion. And now the ship drifts in the other direction much faster and it's heading straight for an old borehole. I am not cleaning that up in the morning. Oh. Um, there's panic all around. Uh, the ship uh, hits the borehole. And the ship is bigger than the borehole, but it kind of crashes on top of the borehole. Half of the ship is hanging into the borehole. Um, you can see fire, you can see explosions, um, and a lot of mayday, mayday, mayday coming over the thing. You also notice that the mass driver, the, uh, the, uh, the part of the impeller that's... Uh, uh, beginning to uh, rise up uh, is now askewed and it it's not falling but it is now flinging stuff in completely the wrong direction. Commander Sim, Commander Sim, all, we need all hands on deck out here. We have a catastrophe. Also the mass driver, uh, uh, the initiation has to stop. Nothing else can go out. Whatever emergency stop protocol has to go into place immediately. We must reverse the polarity of the mass driver. Right. As long as um, stuff doesn't keep zipping backwards towards us. How does the uh, how is the uh, hull integrity of the Union Star? Well, from where you are, you can't. You guys are kind of away from it. You guys got to get over there and yeah. see what the damage is. Um, I'm able to get my mech back up. Yeah, I assisted you. Yes. Thanks. Thank you. I'll approach the flailing ship at a uh, in a roundabout observ observational distance. Okay. Um, you can see that it hangs, sort of suspended by both ends, over this 27 uh, kilometer deep hole. Um, the bottom of the hole you can see is glowing red because down there um, the crust is extremely thin. Uh, it hasn't completely hardened yet and there's molten metal underneath that. Um, part of the ship has been torn open and part of it, is, you can see that there's, there's gases venting. 
So they, you need to mount some sort of rescue. Uh, where the where the ship itself is mangled, uh, you guys have you know the ability to rip open things. But uh, anybody inside is either going to be killed by the uh, the atmosphere unless they've managed to get equipment on, and hopefully they haven't you know haven't been damaged in any other way. I'll rush back to base and try to, if I can put inside the mech, maybe two, three life support suits and start moving them towards the ship and in hopes to. Okay. On internal comms, not to the ship comm, just for our group, I want to contact Spider. Spider, what do you think we should shut down the uh, transportation device first? We all knew what we were getting into when we came to this planet. If they're dead in there, they're dead. But this is costing us tens of thousands of dollars a second credits. Let's shut the machine down, then rescue these chumps. Uh, uh, the mass, mass driver down, you mean? Yes. I think it's more important that we shut the mass driver, then go for the casualties. That'll have to happen at its, at its head. And we're closer to the tail. Um, but I called that into Sim. I don't know if we've got if there's been any progress on that. Is, are things still going down the chute? Um, it's been turned off. You can see that it's oh, been okay. turned off. But it's also been damaged. Um, also, uh, Absalom, do a uh, an idea roll. Do a, do a luck roll instead. Luck roll. Luck better. Yeah. Thirty-one out of sixty-eight. So okay. It. You have only loaded about half of the rhodium onto the ship, and it's now hanging over a pit. That's your most expensive commodity. Um, trillions of, uh, or a quarter, three quarters of a trillion credits. I see. Credits Not to mention the fact that we've only got half of our three and a half year supplies off the ship, and I don't really want to go on. One yeah, third right. rations for the next three and a half years. Um, okay, is the captain of the Union Star responsive? Um, you do not get a response from the captain. It was Captain Winnie Shoemaker, uh, but there doesn't seem to be any any response. Is anyone on the ship responsive? Uh, yes, there are people in the control rooms that were trying to. They're they're kind of on the top of the ship, so they're the farthest away, but they're. Uh, they're trapped. Now, with the gravity on the planet, if all the mechs united, we couldn't pull this thing a couple inches from the precipice? No, probably not. Right. Um, but you probably couldn't push it in either. Uh, it's probably snagged. Like I say, it's, it's bigger than the hole itself, but it's and, being supported by each end over the hole. And how much... Uh, how... To what extent is are these is this hole a thermal vent? Is there a lot of relatively warm air moving up? Correct. Yeah. Oh, you mean the hole? Uh, the hole. Yeah, to some extent. Wonder there is warm air moving up. Get some sort oh, of thermal parachute. Yeah, it would be nice to be able to, to use that air to shift this thing out of danger. It's uh, it's. Probable that you would have to you'd have to use your mechs to at least clear ways for people to get out. Uh, you'd have to get your transports over there and get people to safety. Mm -hmm. 
and then start a salvage operation on salvaging what you can. Sinker mechs are adept at dealing with the boreholes. I volunteer to make the first insertion into the distressed ship. I, I agree, X, but uh, hold on. Absalon Watcher, to the any remnants of the crew, do you have life support systems intact? Can you get on uh, the suits? We're going to breach your hull. Um, you get a staticky voice back. Uh, life support is at 35%. Um, there's hull breaches all over. Uh, at least one of the cargo bays has uh, been completely torn open and has dumped its cargo into the pit. Son of a bitch. Not the bacon. Oh. Or, the, or the rhodium. Um, although sinkers perhaps will be able to retrieve uh, ore that's dropped. Yes. We can't ship it anywhere anyway. The rhodium should be able to be retrieved by moving the plug. Uh, on board ship, uh, isolate yourself uh, as possible to uh, retain atmosphere and uh, give me coordinates uh, for entering so that we can begin uh, emergency uh, extraction. They transmit a schematic of the ship and there's little blinking lights where you can see that the people are located that are showing positive life signs. Um, looks like there's about 10 people that are still showing positive. How many suits can I load up in my mech to carry over just to make sure that they'll be okay to extract? Um, oh, if you want 10 suits, that's fine. Oh, okay, so I'll, I'll yeah. load up. I mean, these kind of suits you're talking about are body size. They're literally suits that you put yeah, on. Yeah, I just don't know how much interior space there is in my mech, uh, even though I've been using it for years. I'm going to take the transport that uh, has the best capability of sealing around some portal um, and, and approach the ship on the lee side of the wind, so where it's braced on the other side of the pit. I think that'll be the easiest way to get humans out without breaking them. Okay. Spider, don't you have any expanding foam cartridges? Yeah, we could seal up gaps here and there, but I mean, yeah, this hull is uh, pockmarked. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking we'll pull up the transport to the end, seal that, look at the schematic, see what if we have a contained uh, area, possibly the car, one of the car, the other cargo holds, and connect right to that, and then and then expanding foam the edges, and then have them come down to the cargo hold. Yeah, we can make our own door after all, wherever is convenient. We know what's the most valuable thing on this ship. Let's be honest. My brothers and I consider uh, each genetic imprint to be okay as well. And we can't remove the ore until we have contact, which could be a long time. Yeah, the, the ore is more valuable, but for survival, the food is paramount. The Especially ore if is we have 10 extra. <laughs> yeah. The ore is also recoverable. Should it fall into the, into the pit, we can what? retrieve it. Whereas the organic DNA, once lost, is lost. 
Yes, the individuals and their experiences cannot be replaced or retrieved. I'm so glad to hear you say that, X. Makes me feel a little safer when we're out on the rig working together. All right, so you guys are going to mount a, um, a rescue mission. Um, you're able to um, at least partly secure the ship so that it doesn't fall any farther in. Um, you're able to move some transports up uh, and uh, use some sort of osmotic seal so that you seal them against the side. You cut your own doors. And then at that point, your choice, you, you kind of need to go inside to see if you can rescue anybody. There's a risk involved, of course. And you've probably got about seven other people with you at the moment. Well, I've got uh, the big, heavy laser cutter in, in, the, uh, in my mech, so I'll probably... Yeah, I will. I, too, will prepare to breach the interior to conduct rescue operations. We should probably make one breach hole initially instead of multiple, just to reduce the amount of uh, strain on the hull. Yes, only only one of our mechs should enter the hole at a time. Agreed. All right, I'm injured. I'm 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 still. I'm, I mean, I can work, but I'm. I, I'm I have already volunteered to go. Thanks, now, thanks. your mechs will not be able to get go into the ship. I mean, there are some places like cargo holds where they could, but the the rest of the ship is made for humans. So, got it. You're in passages. Your mechs won't fit. Right. So, but the plan is to find a, a space where mechs can operate to cut a hole, to seal at least one transport to that hole, and then tell the civilians who were suited to get to use that as a point of entry. Or or you might have to go in to help them. They might be trapped. Right. Um, at the moment, you're just simply assessing what you need to do. Yeah. All right. The uh, the tethers that came loose, can they be, uh, uh, can they be uh, pile driven into ice to help keep the ship where it is while we you've, operate? You've, you've kind of tried to do that, yes. Hopefully, so that it'll at least keep the ship not from uh, falling in to the hole. Um, at the moment, the wind is still whipping pretty pretty hard, but the ship is now you know kind of listed like this over the over the hole. All right. So uh, you manage ultimately to to set all of that up, uh, and then it's necessary to go inside. Uh, you you move your mechs into the transports uh and then you desuit and you can go into the ship you probably have yeah encounter suits to breathe uh but the temperature is chilly even through your suits all right uh you go inside and you find that what you have done is you have breached uh just a few uh feet down a corridor from a kitchen, uh, one of the kitchens on board the ship. Uh, you go inside, and other than uh, a great deal of 
objects all over the place, piled in corners where the ship is tipped over. You don't find anyone. Uh, you continue working your way through the ship and you find a few places where you can hear banging on a wall and you have to remove with, uh, with, your, various ob with your various tools. You have to remove whatever's there to get it out of the way. Uh, but within an hour or so, uh, you've, you've rescued most of the people from the ship. However, the ship keeps shaking. It's, it's not stable. Um, let's do a luck roll. Uh, let's do a group luck roll. Uh, 69 I have. Who's got lowest? I've got a 70. I stand at 60. That sounds like me on 56 then. There oh. you go. Why am I always the lowest? <laughs> well, it's not too bad. It's only a 78. Uh -oh. <laughs> All right. We will say that you can manage to get to seven people. Um, who are on the ship. The others are either dead or they are trapped in such a way that you don't know how to get to them. Uh, in one case, there is a breach where you've got about 50 feet from where you're standing to the rest of the ship and there is a gaping hole below you that drops down 27 kilometers uh, to the, the bottom. Um, and you try different ways of breaching that, but you can't seem to find a way. You just don't know what to do. <coughs> you don't have the kind of equipment for this. Uh, and the ship keeps shuddering. It's shuddering is getting worse and worse as it goes. I'm really hoping someone's been taking out those boxes from the cargo hold while we've been <laughs> doing this. Exactly. Well, the, the, the doors to the cargo hold are now facing this way. <laughs> yeah, there's no... Cut a hole and start pushing them out. <laughs> All right. Well, you probably managed to get some of it. But the most important part is you get the seven people out that you can. Important and part? Well... <laughs> do another group. Seven more mouths do to another, feed and half Do another group roll to see if you can retrieve any of the of the cash-making stuff. <laughs> oh, boy. Not to mention that fungus. Now that yeah. we're fine on 22. All Good. right. So yeah, they do start to unload some of the cargo as well. Um, spider, do a do an intelligence roll. 31 is a hard success. When this colony was first set up, uh, they came in large colony ships. Uh, those colony ships were completely dismantled to make everything that you guys have. Uh, with the material of this ship here, theoretically it's possible maybe to fix it and rebuild it, um, but it would be a major operation. Um, there's no reason why you couldn't do it but it would probably take years, years to do. Uh, at this point, could, it's... 
scrap. If, if we could stabilize this, uh, it's worth more as a structure than it is as dangerous bits of metal blowing around the planet uh, for certain. And these two people are gonna need habitats and, uh, and there's gonna be material of value to retrieve for the next three and a half years extra we get at minimum. Um, what uh, is our fastest method of interplanetary communication? Oh, uh, it's still just have an radio. Okay, so we, we're not, they're not even going to know that this went awry for a, a year. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, home base won't, but uh, you can tell uh, the Neil cylinder, the O'Neill cylinder, uh, the information will get passed, but yeah, it'll take it a while to get there. Yeah. So it's even more important to retrieve as much of this as we can because we're not going to be getting any extras. Correct. And this is for all, all of the stations on the this chunk of ice right. too, not just us. It's very likely that probably within a few hours, um, representatives from the other stations start to arrive uh, that would have also been helping to un unload and move their stuff. So they join you in the effort to... Uh, to save this, but and I see that uh, that Morgan had to go away for a second. He told us he might, but we'll just go on. Um, the ship itself becomes more and more unstable, and you can see that it simply wasn't made to lay on its side and support its own weight with the ends of the ship. So they're definitely becoming distressed. At a certain point, it's deemed unsafe and everybody gets off. And within an hour after that, uh, like a building collapsing, the whole thing sort of folds itself in half and drops down the, uh, the hole. When it hits the bottom, uh, there's a tremendous explosion. It cracks through the, uh, the crust. Uh, there's almost a, a volcanic eruption at that point and uh, lava is flung out. Uh, it, it damages part of the, uh, the mass driver. And uh, obviously any materials that were still on board the ship are destroyed. Uh, but eventually that calms itself down. And by now you guys have all evacuated. You've gotten as far away as you can. You've gone back to global station. And it's a freaking disaster, but it's over and now it's got to be dealt with whatever you're going to do. You've salvaged a lot of the food. You'll have, you'll have enough food probably for a couple of years. Uh, but if you ration it, you might be able to, it's just not going to be pleasant for three and a half years. Now we're going to be doing a great deal more of organic recycling than generally is deemed pleasant. Yes. Harry. It's not like we get a lot of sunlight. Yeah, you don't really get much at all. Um, starlight, mostly. Harry, um, you get back to the station, and uh, you you sit down at the work one of your workstations uh, where you're doing some communication work, and uh, you get an alert on your screen uh, that says uh, that there is a severe trajectory problem that some of the material 
that was ejected by the, the mass driver has not only gone awry, but it's gone into partial orbit. And that it, it very likely is going to come crashing back down on the planet. And it's doing 35,000 miles an hour as it's doing that. It never rains, it just fucking pours. I, I will inform the boss and say, hey, you know how it just got, uh, you know how we just had the worst day in the last God knows how many decades? Here's some more for you. We've got basically uh, chunks of iron and steel that are going to come raining down on us. Oh, Jesus. Dear God, Harry, can you can you calculate where it might impact or is that too far out for the orbital decay? Problem is, is it kind of went like that as it fired. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be really hard to tell. <laughs> yeah. With, if I had the precise angle, but given that it went that away when it came off the, the driver, then yeah, shit knows. Not Knowing our luck, probably right in the middle of here. Well, the first calculation is how long it might stay in orbit before it comes down. And the second calculation is how many hours you'll know before it hits where it's going to hit. Because we're only occupying a minute percentage of the surface of the planet. Mm -hmm. Although when a giant piece of heavy metal at a great speed hits an enormous volume of ice, that's going to send ice quakes for quite a while. It's going to be a hell of an explosion. A lot of debris will go into the atmosphere as well, so that may change climate conditions significantly. Checking the records on the mass driver, uh, you realize that four packages were flung uh, during that, that dis disastrous period. Um, O'Neill Station has also been, I mean, sorry, O'Neill Cylinder has also been alerted because they're the ones who catch the things and they're not heading for the magnets anymore. They might be heading directly for O'Neill Station and there's half a million people that live there. Jeez. Again, from bad to worse. Uh, Probably a little more equipped, though, to deal with it. <laughs> I'm not a physicist or even an astrophysicist by the look of it, but I have a good degree of computing skill. Can I get the computer to try and work out possible sites that might be in danger for this landing? Yes. Um, go ahead and use your computer skill. Okay. I can assist you with those calculations as well, Harry, if you have any trouble. Uh, well, an 07 is under my fifth of 13. So, yeah, an extreme. Nice. All right. All right. You can tell that most of the debris is it's going to land in a line uh, going across the planet, uh, probably each one being about 20 or 30 miles across uh, or past one each other. Mm -hmm. um, but that it'll come very close to Tycho Station. Uh, which is about 700 miles from you. I'll tell them to part again, this will be the job for the boss because I don't get paid enough for this shit. Um, get her to inform them that they might want to find a new home for the next few hours. 
All right. They'll handle the situation as best they can. Um, they don't want to leave their their cargo either. How so, does the debriefing go in between the uh, escapees from the Union Star? Well, they're all upset. They're they're they've some of them have lost loved ones, but at the same time they have no way of getting home and you've got more people now and less resources so they're going to have to find a way um just practically they're going to have to find some way to earn their keep um and possibly be repurposed you know on 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 the ship on the on the planet should have called that ship the donner pass <laughs> Well, we have well, seven. That would, in, that would give you more meat. <laughs> we can have a party. Hmm. Seven survivors? Seven. So 15 stations. It's not too much of a burden. Nine it's stations, great. but yes. Oh, nine stations. Right. Yeah. Although some of them might not want to be separated and they'll be suffering a degree of post traumatic disorder. They don't have a choice. It's their mistake. This happened. They've got radios, they can Inc still talk. Incompetent captain. Certainly, uh, wind conditions are not something that should be completely unanticipated on a circumstance like this. I also blame corporate design. It's a very tall and top-heavy thing to land on a windy planet. Who, who well, was you know, responsible? one size fits all. Who was responsible for securing the moorings? Is that the ground? The workers on the lo on the loading dock, yeah. So that's us. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, co it's your comrades. <laughs> um, the thing is, is that the design is is bad. The design is almost like a flat building, five stories high, and the wind blowing directly into the side of it just kept pushing it, and yeah. pushing it, and they couldn't compensate. Despite holding the, it in with ropes is enough. Well, on the upside, we have 480 tons of uh, titanium melting down there that we could harvest. Titanium doesn't cost anything. <laughs> it's, it's like dirt. <laughs> Whole asteroids made out of titanium. Um, all right. So time goes by a few days a week, things start to more or less move back to normal. Um, I, you're not really going to have to worry about the food problems for a couple of years. Uh, you still have harvesting to do, and you've still got the, the, the plug. Uh, you no longer have a mass driver on this side of, of the planet. Uh, but you can probably come up with a means of transporting material to the other mass driver, one of the other mass drivers on the other side. Um, I'm sorry, I, I made uh, uh, I missed something. Um, the packages that have been flown, uh, they are continuing in orbit and it's, it's estimated that they'll fly for maybe two weeks before they hit the ground. Um, so people are preparing uh, 
uh, people at uh, Tyco Station are ready so that when the time comes, they'll evacuate to one of the other stations and they'll wait there and then they'll come back and hopefully there won't be any damage. However, there is some damage. Um, when, the, when the packages come back down, uh, they hit pretty hard. They create three large craters, one of them near the Tycho Station. Um, nothing is damaged at Tycho Station, but there are earthquakes that ripple all around the planet. Um, you feel it, even though it's 700 miles away. Uh, everything shakes. And it doesn't stop shaking for quite a while because the interior of the planet is a liquid core and it's not very thin and ice can move. So large cracks appear in the ice here and there and everything eventually calms itself down. But there's the landscape has changed just a little bit. Um, I think if we've got a couple of weeks, I'm wondering if there's something we can do. Um, looking at the kind of balancing balancing the books as it were the cost of the potential damage to Tycho station versus the cost of one extra packet that we would normally send if we've got two weeks can we plot effectively firing another packet through the mass the broken mass driver so that it intercepts that orbiting package that would hit Tycho and effectively knock both of those out of orbit so only three hit the ground rather than all four Hmm. But I'm wondering about the cost, whether it's the cost of a packet would outweigh the cost of the damage to Tycho Station or not. Harry, maybe we could just cut a big chunk of ice and send that as a packet and not even waste a packet. Well, Does the packets well? yeah. are not that valuable. I mean, that stuff is relatively cheap. It's the question also, I don't think you could use this bent mass driver. I think you'd want to use one of the sound ones if it could be repurposed. Well, they're not really follow the same path up. They're not really meant to be moved, you know. They're precisely aimed so that just without any kind of uh, nobody has to steer the packets. The packets get flung out and they just follow the gravity and they land at or they, they end up at the station. Um, I don't think that you could do that with a mass driver, but it's theoretically possible you could do it with something else. You could rig up something that you could fire, like a smaller uh, rail gun, uh, and try to hit what the packets. What about the Gauss rifle? Yes, well, devise a, a point defense uh, system. You're, you're, you're still, well, let's see. Let's have Spider and, uh, Spider and uh, X. You're both doing the math calculations to see if it's possible. Um, I do also have a MacGyver skill in case there's something that can be repurposed. Um, why don't you guys roll those roll those things? Uh, roll, you know, intelligence or mathematics or physics or your MacGyver skill. MacGyver skill is really to rig something. I mean, let's rig something. I mean, if we're using the if we're using the bent rail uh, mass driver, that would be. I think that would fall in that category. Where is that? There it is. Oh, I rolled a four. Nice. So I that's had an to extreme even for my MacGyver. I had to spend three points of luck to program a proper computer simulation with my computer use skill. All right. Uh, you've calculated that if you were to fling a, uh, a packet 
of uh, iron, um, but you'd have to do it at precisely the right time and at precisely uh, the right trajectory, uh, you could do it. Now, whether you can persuade the captain to let you all stop working on what you're doing and go and try to jury rig this, uh, why don't you guys do a I don't know persuade roll against my persuade. I am def I'm definitely not the one presenting this case in person. Then, yes, I should have saved that four. It's not very likely. I I'm not gonna I'm not willing to spend seventeen luck for Tycho Station. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> I won't tell them. Actually, I did think of something that 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 I completely forgot of. They can move Tycho Station. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got two weeks to move it. Move it. Yeah, Tycho Station can be moved. Um, it does not move. None of your stationary stuff moves very fast. Uh, about a, a mile and a half. I'm at, sorry, about a half a mile an hour. But still, over two weeks, they can move it quite a ways. Uh, they can't move the mass driver. Mass driver's it's there. How many um, mass drivers are still operational? There are three others on the planet. All of them more or less equidistant, so you'd have to drive to get to one. Um, all right, so um, whether or not you deflect anything, uh, the three of the four packages come down. Uh, the fourth one goes, gets sort of accelerated by the planet and gets thrown off. And when the three packages come down, there's terrible earthquakes all over the place. Um, there's probably some volcanic activity right where they hit uh, because they crack right through the ice and into the, uh, the, the mantle underneath. Um, but within a couple of days, the, 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 the shaking of the ground has died down and everything more or less goes back to normal. Um, and we'll say that a week or so goes by. Is our primary uh, responsibility at Global to uh, repair our mass driver so that we can get things up and running again? You can start working on that, sure. Uh, that's going to be some major work because it's 10 miles long and it's, it rises uh, hundreds of feet into the air at the, at the very, very end. Uh, and that's the part that's, <laughs> that's way off. Um, that would be your area of expertise, right, Spider? Yeah, if you need any assistance, since uh, what uh, X and I do are sort of on pause right now, just let me know and I'll help. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be, I'm sure multiple mechs are going to be required simultaneously. It's also, you guys, I assume, will be doing a lot of analysis with regard to the, the hole that got unplugged and the ship that went into it. Absalom. Yes. Um, you're in your office. You're monitoring channels. You're uh, listening to, you know, if, if anybody needs anything, if there's any trouble going on. Um, you get a communication. Um, and it's a bit garbled. Uh, it's possible that the recent earthquake problem um, may have misaligned a few 
communication uh, dishes. Uh, so it's been an ongoing problem for a couple of days now. Um, you get a message from Chandra Station, which is about a thousand miles from where you are. And you can't really understand what they're saying. At first, it sounds like they're in distress. Um, they say something about the earthquakes and something about uh, fissures opening up in the ice. Um, there's the sound of rending metal and everything goes silent. Can you hear me? Over. I repeat, can you hear me? Over. Nothing, right? Right. <sighs> Commander Sim, we have a problem. Uh, what's the problem? I. What's the name of the station? Sorry. Chandra. Chandra Station. Chandra Station just contacted us. I think uh, they went down. They were complaining about fissures in the ice, and then I heard uh, ripping metal sounds, and then they went dead. I think I'm going to have to go out and inspect. That's a long way. I mean, what, what's um, protocol on this? This has never come up. See if you can get a hold of uh, Drawaga Station. They're only about 70 miles from Chandra. Um, see if they can send somebody out there. Copy that, Cap. And then I uh, disconnect and get on with uh, the other station. Okay. Once again, it's staticky. Uh, this is uh, this is uh, Station Chief uh, Maggie Smith. Uh, sorry, Maggie. Maggie Tate. Um, what, what can I do for you, uh, Absalom? Have you been experiencing any tremors? Um, your well, yes. Uh, yeah, yes. We're, we're still experiencing tremors. Uh, they seem to uh, not have subsided. Uh, how about you? Uh, having radio communicate issues, but your sister station, 70 miles away, just went down. They called with distress. Uh, we're going to need you to send someone to check it out. It's a little bit far for me to head out there. All right. Check your communications officer, your watcher, see if they had any word. I've been having trouble. Am I coming in clear? Because we're having trouble with uh, communicate. No, it's, it's a bit garbled. Yeah, um, that it's probably the communications uh, array has been uh, damaged by the earthquakes. Well, we're going to need eyes on that station and a report for uh, Hannah. I mean, uh, Commander Sim. Oh, did you did you feel that? No. Well, hey. based on the ground compression, you should feel something in the next two minutes hey uh, have everybody get in their max just safety per call do it don't don't all right um we'll get back with you and they hang up um maybe two minutes after they say that you feel the ground lurch slightly underneath like you're a long way away from the center of an earthquake. Well, prior to that two minutes, I'm going to hit a yellow alert and go over uh, all all station comms. Brace for impact. We have a tremor coming. We might have uh, Absalon. No, what's the other station? Um, I'm sorry. I... <laughs> Dru Druaga. 
Chiranga Station might have might have gone down. Uh, yellow Chandra Station was the one. Chandra Station's down. Yellow alert. Brace for impact. Nishing Station lockdown. Okay. Nothing happens at your place except, like I say, just a slight shifting, like an earthquake a long, long way away. Is is the ice pack that we are situated on secure? Have there been any? It's all. It's always been layers? stable in the past. Okay. Despite tremors. Right. Well, you've never had tremors. Well, that's why I want to check the. Um... Oh, you want to check? Um, go ahead and do a. Uh, the integrity of the ice. Computer analysis. Or an intelligence roll. Or... I have metallurgy. I don't know if that would be. I think most of you have metallurgy. <laughs> metallurgy and geology. Just getting getting through the ice is my job. A twelve. That is an extreme success on intelligence. Okay. Um, it's possible. Uh, I mean, the, the planet's always been pretty stable, uh, but it's possible that the impacts may have caused cracks in the ice, and the ice might shift. Um, you didn't think that's possible, but it's a small planet, so maybe it is. That the destabilization events caused by the debris from orbit and from our continual mining may have destabilized the ice sheets. They may shift. Yes, I'm going to do some calculations about what that's going to mean in terms of fixing the mass driver. We don't want it to get bent halfway down again. Yeah, so it would be an unfortunate can... loss of progress. Uh, attention all hands, I'm going to keep us on YOLO alert for the next uh, few hours. You know the drill that requires a uh, sign-in to me every hour on the hour just to make sure we're all safe. Signing out. Absalom, no sooner than you do that, then the vid screen comes up and uh, you see uh, Draga Station, who you were just talking to, uh, Maggie Tate, and uh, there are explosions going off in the background and you see her uh, in her mech and she's trying to talk to you and she says, uh, uh, a global station. Do you do you copy? I, I copy. I copy. Go. We are under attack by attack. something, and you can see in the background that things are that the ground is uh, is heaving up in places. I, I hit the red alert button at, while we're talking. I just reach over and hit it. Continue. Continue. What what is assailing you? We we aren't sure. It seems to be under the under the ice cap or under the under the ice level, um, and just as everything sort of goes, and... I hit video to all some video stations. Okay. What everybody sees is this. You see her. Uh, it looks like she may have been injured by something. Um, you see uh, 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 Draga Station in the background. And you see explosions coming. And then it's almost as if the entire station sort of heaves up in the air on one side. And something comes up underneath it uh, that at first you think looks like lava, like, like a magma explosion. 
welling up underneath the station. And then you realize that it's not lava. It's something the same color and glowing like lava, but it looks almost like a gigantic worm that's right, risen up. And you can see this enormous mouth opening on it as it's coming down and it's scooping up huge pieces of the station and they're, it's eating them. And then everything goes static. Evacuate, evacuate to that, you know. Right. Get out of there, Tate. Why did you have to share that? Why? Uh, um, emergency protocols. Everyone. And, uh, you know, to meet up in the mech room. All right. So you all come together in the mech room. Should we ascertain our emotional stability? Yeah, you can do sanity rolls for yeah. that. I always forget sanity rolls. No, just barely passed that. I don't just... believe that at 94, I'm feeling entirely well. I join you at that 95. Oh, geez. <laughs> Only 88, but still way past my sand. With the 59, my emotional state is satisfactory. <laughs> I would say that you only lose one point if you pass, and you can do 1d4 if you, if you don't, because it's pretty horrific. There were no documented life forms for this planet. Nor do the parameters of what we seem to have witnessed match anything that I have uh, read about. Uh, I think the most immediate thing, if, uh, if once we have determined that we all saw something that appeared to be an organic like form with an orifice and intent, if it is moving underneath the surface of the ice, then it's going to send shock waves and we can use some sort of seismic instrument array to track its movement. Uh, Excellent idea. I'll go to the nearest uh, uh, inner computer interface to start scanning. Well, you certainly have equipment for geology. Yeah, absolutely. And creating something like that would be very simple for you. So within, let's say, an hour or so, you manage to figure out uh, you have a, a basic sensor. I want a nice two-color screen with a... <laughs> a, a, a yeah, and I want to see it moving. Red sneaking, dot. Yeah, the red, the red line sneaking through the green field. It's inside the room. <laughs> the, the red dot. Right us. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, nothing for quite a while, but then this was a thousand miles away. Um, you haven't heard anything from Chandra or uh, Drawaga. And you are assumed that they were either destroyed or they might be on their way somewhere because they might have gotten some transports out. Now, while Spider and X were doing the calculation, or whoever, Harry, were doing the calculations, I'm going to contact each individual station and tell them to go to red alert. Okay. 
Uh, you contact uh, Edo Grist at Johanneland uh, Station. Uh, you, you contact the, the heads at Pavlov and Blixen and Fremont and Wayland Stations. And I get each security officer, each watcher, and to make sure that they're alone, and I forward the video of what happened to them. So okay. they know what they're taking it seriously. I was momentarily mesmerized by a spider. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. And we need to be able to. Uh, we have a complete schematic for the station that was destroyed and the video of the <coughs> apparent mouth. So we can also get an idea of the scale of this thing. Um, All right. How, how big a uh, fireworm are we talking about? Based on your calculations, about 600 feet long. Now, I want to run through any database I can get from the system and see if this matches up anything in known existence. Okay. Do a um, oof, library roll. Ooh. Wouldn't be computer use? <laughs> Absalon has shown an interest in things uh, of uh, ancient Earth history. Certainly, there are legends of fireworms that go back for thousands of years. Well, I got 33. I only have a 20 on library use, but I have a 45 computer use, so. Well, we everybody knows how to use a computer. That doesn't yeah. necessarily mean you find the information. That's why. So other than old Viking yeah. tales, I don't find anything useful. Right. I mean, you're, you're probably well aware of uh, fictional things, sandworms and, and so forth, and, but nothing like this. Mm. I have to watch that. Does uh, any of the footage that survived the attack, can we uh, get uh, uh, infrared versions of that? Sure. I'd like to know whether this thing is running hot and melting its way through the ice. Uh, because I don't imagine we'll be able to hurt it with heat if it is already itself. Were, were the images indicating um, like a lot of steam? Because if they are super hot and they're crashing through a snowy, icy plateau, there would be tons of steam, I'm guessing. Uh, both of those things are kind of obvious once you're looking at the footage. Uh, yes, the thing is very hot, molten, in fact. So this is some form of large extremophile life form that's been occupying the molten core indefinitely and was disturbed by the violent reintroduction of large masses. How can we get it to go home? Or will it, or do we bring it out until we freeze it on the surface? What the hell does it eat? What does it live on? What's its metabolism? Well, Spider, that core we drilled a few weeks ago still didn't even, it's still molten down there. So I don't know how good cooling it off would do. I, I mean, it makes comments, it's perfect sense, but 
if the core is still molten in the hole after a couple of weeks, I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a many kilometers down from the surface though. If we kept, if we held this thing in the wind, hmm. but I don't know what's going to hold it. It's enormous. Do we have uh, tanks of uh, like liquid that nitrogen? Something like that. Any any chemical that would be similar to that? I don't know. Let's do a luck roll. That's do something luck. that might be used in some forms of metallurgy. All right. There we go. Seventy luck, and I rolled a twenty-two. So that's a hard, uh, hard right. one. Yeah, I'll hard. say. But you don't have a lot. I mean, it's perhaps used in some extraction um, uh, to get you know certain things out of the minerals. Uh, using uh, nitric acid or something like that. But could, for, could I get to work, uh, say, maybe creating two canister shooters for two of the mechs to, you know, have like a, each one have like a 50-gallon drum attached to it? Sure. A big fire extinguisher. Yeah. I'll get to work on that right away, guys, if, if I have clearance to. Good call. How about the rest of you? Remind me how the bores or the plugs work when they drill their massive hole down through the ice. Okay. Um, a scout team would go out and, and survey a, a new location. Uh, then uh, the, the previous borehole would be uh, decommissioned. Uh, the harvesters would rise up into the plug. The plug would then walk itself across the surface at half a mile an hour. It would position itself in the new place. They would melt through the ice down to the crust, and then they would bore through the crust into the magma, lower the harvesters, and then basically they're, they're skimming the surface of the magma and then separating it all into... Uh, various metals and stuff. It just depends on where you are, what you're going to get. So um, they melt that hole going correct. straight down. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, potentially you've got what the viability was of using that as a weapon in case, almost lure it to a particular place by stamping around a lot on the ground or making some other kind of noise that it would be attracted by and then basically melting through it. But if it's already existing in the temperatures inside the inside the mantle, then that's not going to work. What about the mooring um, cables and clamps? I mean, I know we lost some with the other ship, but I wonder if we have any others. Maybe we could launch them out across it, then use uh, Ross's uh, nitrogen idea. Again, something oh. 600 feet long. Yeah, the morphology of the thing is it is it completely snake or worm like or does it have, did we are there any discernible limbs? Not in the in the photograph or the, the video that you saw. I mean, it's easy enough. I'm sure we have the engineering capability to make as much cable as we want. We have ore and we have you know machines, uh, but I don't know how we grabbed something that's very hot and doesn't have knobby bits to hold on to except with cold. Maybe we can make some kind of um, harpoon, a railgun harpoon system. Using something the mass driver. If we, if we can embed something into it that 
similar to the old style of whale hunting, something that has a cable attached to it and a heavy weight to slow it down from retreating so we can finish well, it off. It can be a, a barbed implement as well. Yes. And if it's kept chilled at surface temperature, then it might seize the creature's flesh. And I like Harry's idea, have the cable attached to a packet. And as soon as it, it's stuck into the creature, launch it through the packet device. Yeah, either we punch a giant hole through the thing or if we get even luckier, drag it into orbit. But but wasn't what didn't the footage show many of these, not just one? A one. Oh, one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Although nat uh, biological studies would tell us that there are probably more if there are one. There Correct. is one. Hmm. Ross, have you been having other difficulties uh, numerically? Oh. Have you been seeing two of things? Uh, just a little bit. It's it's probably that that hit I took uh, what a couple of weeks ago when I when the mech fell over. Indeed. Uh, how are the diagnostics on your mech? Is it entirely repaired? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, it looks good now. I'll I'll double check that. The uh, the seismic activity. Uh, has it set up new ridges on the surface that are reasonably stable now with cold? Yes. So we could anchor our harpoons to these new ridges, perhaps, given that our railgun isn't yet repaired. Well, uh, well, it's it's it still launches. It just launches at a wrong trajectory. Isn't that correct? So if we anchor the harpoon to a packet and then launch the packet, it might just pull it out of orbit, like uh, Harry was saying earlier. Well, launch some of the few... packets return to the surface violently. Then even if it's 600 feet long, if it hits the ground at terminal velocity, that would probably kill it. The only problem is if it was this seismic activity from the debris that caused this thing to awaken in the first place, further impacts onto the surface could awaken more of these things increasing the problem. I would not recommend disturbing the nest, as X suggests. Uh, either way, we're not getting off this planet, so we need to deal with this. Remember if that. Fire, if we fire a series of harpoons at the thing, each harpoon is then connected via a length of cable or whatever we can salvage uh, from, our, from our stocks to packets on the driver. We, we launch a series of packets in rapid succession. They themselves will then hopefully pull the thing out of the ground and then shoot it off into orbit. It's not going to be going at a perfect angle. That thing is going to be spinning wildly out of control. It might not even reach orbit. It might just go out into space. Yeah. And well, I will do some tests on the stability of the mass driver and see whether I think it's viable to send any packets along it because we don't want to damage it further or send something creating off at a, a, another un, unanticipatable angle. While they're doing the research, I'm going to go to the docking bay and I'm going to prep all of the mech suits so they're in an on position and opened up and crouching. So all we have to do is run and literally jump in. We don't have to start them up. We don't have to. And I'll start uh, fitting 
whatever to max with the uh, with the big 50 gallon uh, liquid nit nitrogen projector units. Okay. Whatever, whoever wants the two or oh, actually, uh, 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 Absalon with uh, one of the watchers. Would you like one rigged up for yours? Well, I have a heavy duty Gauss rifle attached oh. to my mech. So I'd rather we all have something that can hopefully affect it. I mean, who knows? Well, if it's that hot, getting close to it is not going to be recommended. Your mechs will protect you from the outside environment, whether it's hot or cold. They're used all over the empire. <laughs> oh, it's an empire now. No longer uh, a confederacy. Not? not a union. <laughs> or a union. <laughs> they got upgraded in the last few years. Ever since the wise and benevolent leader has taken over and fixed oh, things. Every that must have and happened years, in the last had a different name, seven years. The Federated Alliance, the Defiant Union, the Benevolent Empire. Every three and a half years, the label's totally different. They spent a lot of money on packaging. Propaganda. So, uh, right. nobody we in the future is is stupid. They they eliminated all the stupid people back in the two thousand twenties. It's it's the geniocracy this time. Um. Right. So, uh, uh, I think. Uh, I think Ross, you might be the best man to uh, work on the harpoon array. Certainly, I'll get to work on this right away. Do you have a general schematics uh, I can download? I'm I'm designing something, uh, you know, a a, a, a a Gauss firing system, maybe with a cup on a couple of rotating devices, so we can aim harpoons from two places. Oh, this uh, and be pretty pretty flexible because the thing would move quickly. This is similar to the UBT-7 uh, drilling rig almost. So yeah, I think I'll be able to whip this up. Thank you. When, when you can, uh, let me know, I'll download it. You begin your preparations and um, after two days, um, the same scenario plays itself out with Wayland Station. And you know that the thing is about halfway from where it was to where you are. It is heading in your direction. Um, the only thing new that you find out is the thing seems to go for the people. Um, it, it literally will break open the stations and as people scatter, uh, even in their mechs, the thing tries to hunt them down. Were there any survivors that escaped? A uh, few people managed to get out into the wilderness, um, but their mechs were damaged and they weren't heard from again. So you don't know, they might be out there hiding. Um, mechs don't, mechs can't function for more than, you know, 32 hours before they need to be recharged. Can we get um, closer look at uh, or did we get closer look of the type of damage it did to the base? Did it did it tear through the base walls with complete ease, like a hot butter knife 
hot, hot knife through butter? Or did it actually struggle? Did it seem like if we had reinforcement that would help? Or is it just not going to help at all? Um, it didn't cut through like butter. The, the stations themselves are pretty strong. Um, the glass is uh, made of uh, uh, transparent aluminum. Uh, it's much stronger. It's stronger than sapphire. Uh, so you can see that there that the thing literally had to crack open the dome, and it took a few hits. But it's huge. Um, yeah. Your your estimation is it's at least six hundred feet long and probably thirty feet thick. Um, it looks very much like a fiery earthworm. It doesn't seem to have any limbs, but it does sort of have bumpy ridges going down its body. Um, and it seems to dive in and out of the ice as it as it flows. It's it's moving snake-like or worm-like. Is its pattern of attack similar in each instance? Um, yeah, like it's um, like it's uh, an animal that's discovered a nest full of eggs and just dived right in to get as much as it can. Mm -hmm. um, I'm wondering if it's attacking at a particular angle near a particular structure that we can identify the most likely place where it might break surface here so that we can be ready with a whole load of harpoons ready to uh, give it a good welcoming party. Well, your guess is that it's going to come up on the side of the station that is in the direction of Whalen Station, which mm -hmm. is north. Can I take a two-minute break? Please use the restroom. Yeah. <laughs> you guys were coming up with plans on how to deal with these, this thing. Now, as we are developing our little notions, I assume we're transmitting schematics for our worm radar and whatnot to the other bases. I would yeah. love it if the bases between Wayland and us got to got to test some of these technologies so we can tweak them before the worm gets here. <laughs> okay. Do a luck roll for that. Let's see. Fifteen. Fifteen. Is that right. just okay. extreme? All right. So yesterday, the way the um, the Fremont station was attacked. Um, they had your schematics, and what they found, uh, some of them have survived, and they are uh, they are evacuating to the Pavlov station. But um, the things can be the thing can be injured. Uh, it uh, it's huge and it's massive, and it's not easy. But um, your Gauss rifle, your rail guns, even your knives can hurt it to some extent. It's just the amount of damage that you're doing to it is almost insignificant. Um, they don't think that it's affected at all by the cold. So your canisters of nitri uh, uh, nitrogen probably won't do anything. After all, the temperature on the planet out there is pretty cold. Now, do we have maybe like a grinder that we throw chunks of metal in to 
break it up or that's all part of the plug yeah it is all right i think we need to get this thing into the plug i really think that's our only option while we blast the hell out of it yeah that's that's interesting Absalom. i think also um uh well i'm curious we have uh some like uh, this thing is uh attracted to organics presumably because this planet essentially has none except us we must have some kind of um pile right where we are excreta and etc are processed into some kind of Right. Um, yes, Unless we're just shooting true. into space or something. But if we have a cesspit, I wonder if we can put a lot of organic matter near the plug in such a way as to provide a functional lure. If it, mm. if it eats our crap instead of us, at least initially. That's possible. Um, there's literally truckloads of it. We'll say let's. This would make sense. Let's say there's, you know, the old Dickle latrine. There's literally a big pit um, outside the domes um, that when you move, you've you've landed. You the pit gets dug right here, and then when you move again, pit gets dug right here, and you just leave it. It just freezes, so it's frozen. Yeah, we're not worried about uh, marring the landscape, and it's not going to get into our groundwater because right. it's just super cooled. Uh, all right, let's get a, an, an, an earth mover and make a giant pile of uh, combined. I mean, I'm sure also we have some kind of greenhouses and they have detritus and so on. So we'll get all the organic crap we can, move it toward uh, uh, X. Ross, what's the best plug for chopping up a hot worm what's got the liveliest grinder oh the btl7 by far uh x you would agree right well i think that the btl6 has some classic features that were unfortunately removed in the most recent iterations but either will suffice now that it's just us here i look around and i'm like if it's going to be death for us, remember, we have seven crew members we could use as lure from the ship. And I'm not trying to be grim, but I'm just trying to be realistic. I got seven fiancés to get back to. Plus then that's seven less mouths to feed. It appears exactly. you have a, a lucky number, Superstition. Well, the thing is with the... Uh, the Tyrannians, when you, I didn't know this at the time, they kind of dumped them on me, but when you propose to one, you every sister in the group goes along with the package. They didn't tell me that. I, that what do you think I'm out here? If we survive all this, I'll tell you what my uh, vat mates and I are out here for. We have a remarkable plan, but first we have to not be consumed by a hot worm from a hellhole and a frozen rock. I much agreed. 
So fire, fire, fire. What else? It's so the the creature's not just molten lava. It, it's there's substance to it. So theoretically, couldn't large flechettes of material that don't melt easily rip it in half? Theoretically, like a not like a Gauss rifle that shoots small flechettes, but something something that could shoot. Do we have some sort of large level flechette gauze rifle? You have tons of replacement parts um, for the mass driver, for the mechs and everything. Um, Spider's a tinker. He should he should be able to. You could you could make yourself gauss cannons. Cannon, yeah. Yeah, because uh, I'm thinking. I mean, 600 feet. It that that's big, but if like a Gauss rifle, you're shooting so many little projectiles, you know, it could rip, yeah, it could rip a, a human or an elephant in half pretty quickly. So the 600 foot thing, if, if we simply had the same concept as a Gauss rifle, only large, you know, a, a bit bigger, there would be enough charge to cut it in half. Or at least really hurt it. Again, I'm concerned about being able to aim because the creature seems fairly nimble. I want a pivotable device that can fire quickly. But I will, I I will uh, uh, analyze the materials at hand. I, I I continue also to believe, though, that uh, impeding its motion by attaching the projectiles to a metal fiber bond will be helpful. Uh, the less it can maneuver, the more we can hit it. Um, yes, I'll, uh, and, and let's, uh, let's select something with a, uh, we want to, we want something, we want the material to remain cold enough, even as it hits the thing. Um, does it have a magnetic signature, this creature? Ooh, good question. Uh, nobody's detected for that, but, uh, yeah, let's send. Let's, set up uh, a detector for that. Yeah, I'd be curious about that. If if it's if we can determine, I assume given its uh, heat that it's fundamentally a metallic creature, and where its heat and origin. So if we magnetize the barbs, we might have a better chance of hitting it. Yes, I'll. I'll uh... Now. Harry, you're good with computers. Mm -hmm. Is there any way that you could retrieve data from the, any of the other stations, or at least extrapolate from the videos its movement? And maybe we can set up traps that are 40 meters equidistant, like whatever its trajectory is each time. That's that's kind of what I was thinking of, trying to work out where it would surface as well. Um, I will plug stuff into the computer and see what I can. I have specialization with explosives. So what explosive devices do we have on board, Tom, at the station? Um, nothing really, but you do have materials. So you'd have to be able, you could, you could improvise. 
You probably have thinking ammonia. Well. You probably have you know, things like thinking that. as well along those lines of when you're saying about it, whether it has a magnetic field. If it is, and if it's the obviously, it depends on whether what kind of polarization it is. Maybe we turn the mass driver on, but not setting it to fire something, but just use it as one gigantic magnet to hold the thing in place while we then literally shoot the shit out of it. Good idea if it works. Yes, if we do determine it is a, uh, it carries an appropriate magnetic field, that could be uh, a great impediment to its activity. It is possible. Well, I'm going to give that. I'm not going to give it to you. Spider, do a um, what role would be appropriate? Intelligence role. Uh, I have a normal success. I can spend five to have a hard success. I, I think you're, you're okay. Um, the, the mass driver is made up of these very large magnetic coils. Um, but with your mechs, you can remove the coils. They're, they're meant to be removed and, and new ones put in. But you could create another array, even a circular array, somewhere nearby and turn it on. And it would be a pretty strong magnetic field. You'd have to be careful. Because if it was too close to the station, literally tables and things would just go flying out the, well, they'd, they'd fly up to the dome and they'd get stuck on the glass. <laughs> but, right. And also, if you were working in a mech near it, you could have some terrible accidents. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, but I yeah, that, that, that sounds very promising. Uh, perhaps a yeah, a coil a coil array from pieces of our broken mass driver could provide a, a suitable trap. And we could all, if it is attracted to the magnetism. We can litter a ring of metallic debris around it, so when the mass driver's on, it'll, yup. 10,000 spears flying at it at once. Uh, the reports that we have from other stations where they saw damage, uh, I'm curious, because as you say that, Absalom, it, it seems appealing. And then I wonder, would it melt that metal and absorb it into its tissue? Or does it scar? Or again, as you said, could it be cut in half? You know, I, I fear feeding the thing because we don't understand its biology at all. I, but it did go for the organics. So maybe that's its real treat, you know? If it, I mean, it, it, if it's bothering to tear things apart, do you know the um, the ancient uh, human tale of the of the honey bear is uh, misleading. The uh, earth native ursine species uh, preferred the uh, larvae of the bee to the honey itself. Uh, that density of protein was more attractive than that density of sugar, in fact. Huh. Uh, this creature seems to be attracted to these proteins that we are. And, and even if it does also consume metal or rock or, or what have you, uh, having it shot at it 
or pulled at it at extreme velocity wouldn't give it, well, most likely wouldn't give it the chance to metabolize it. It would get injured by it. You know, like I love a, a filet mignon, but if it you shoot it at me at, you know, 5,000 miles an hour, it's going to kill me. Especially, with, especially several thousand of them. Yeah. Cleaverton, are you a 600 foot long magma worm? <laughs> Not the last that I checked. As you're sitting there, you all suddenly jump uh, because a klaxon goes off. Uh, one set up by uh, Absalom. And uh, he sees on a, a screen that uh, Johanna Lund Station uh, got a proximity alert <clears throat> that there is a worm headed towards them. It's still about 20 miles from their position, but uh, that's about as good as uh, they can detect. I'll throw live cams up on so they can see, everybody could observe. And uh, I tell them, do you have uh, anything of any of the defenses we discussed in place? Uh, yeah, they're going to try everything that they've that they had before. Of course, they don't have the the mass drivers or anything like that. Right. But they have uh, Gauss rifles and uh, laser cutters and things like that. It's still going to be you. You can get a uh, an idea for how fast the thing is traveling, um, because it takes about fifteen minutes before they start to report that it's breaking through the ice. So I tell them if they could put all their mech cams on a live feed so we can record this information, all right. we need to see as much detail as we can. You see them fight the thing for almost an hour. Um, of course, the thing itself does most of the damage. It... Uh, just by leaning on their station or hitting it a few times, it cracks through the glass. Um, any mech actually hit by the thing is just obliterated. Uh, uh, but it really seems interested mostly in eating the people. So if it, if it can manage to catch up to them, it will just gulp the mech and everything and uh, swallow it down. Um, but you can also see that they are injuring it and there's a moment when it seems to veer off because of some of the damage that they're doing to it especially with the gauss rifles um because those are physical projectiles going at thirty-five thousand miles an hour um they would cut right through most things and then eventually it it manages to hit the communications array and everything goes black And then another klaxon goes off and there's a proximity alert at Pavlov Station, which is 300 miles away from Johanneland Station. Dear God. I think there's more than one. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Ross. No, exactly. This is not good. Let's As I said before, only a male and a female. Master and an apprentice. Oh, 
yeah, always there, a bigger worm. If yeah. there's a breeding pair, then the five plus years we hope to remain on this rock uh, will not make. Um, and who knows if there are two. If there are two mice, there are an infinite number of mice. But if we learn how to kill one, uh, right, and that's mostly driving a lot of mass into it. If we kill one, hopefully we don't anger them to where they come at us even harder. But I mean, we don't really have a choice right now. There's no negotiating with it. One, one thing we can try um, is to jury rig a couple of mechs with explosives. So when they are swallowed. Oh, how about mm -hmm. the two 50 gallon canisters of uh, liquid nitrogen instead of using that as a spray, maybe as something that would blow up inside of it. Yeah, kind of the reverse, not heartburn, but heart freeze. Yeah, and we could, we have extra mechs, right? Why don't we take one and fill it with organic material and put it in the middle of the Gauss ring of magnets? Hopefully it comes up, eats that, sets off the nitroglyce, um, the Freon, whatever it is, and then also attach some uh, ammonium explosives that uh, X-179 can make, then launch the magnets of the lances at it, and then open on it, open up with Gauss rifles. Kill and kill and kill and kill and kill. And of course, if the, if it does not fall for the bait, we can rake all of our suits with explosives too. So as one by one we fall, we can yep. slow it down so that the others m may possibly live. Given that the suits uh, seem to provide little or no protection, that seems a acceptable. Uh, yeah, if it gets the first. Something let me say too about the mechs. Um, these may physically appear big and clunky, but they're not clunky. Um, they're nimble and fast moving and they can move almost as fast as a, a person who knows how to how to manipulate one very well can practically dance you know across the ice oh, on these nice. things because you have to be you're working on this stuff you're in precarious positions you have to be able to react in a, almost an instant you know to grab something that you dropped or some of us have spent a great deal of our mature lives within a mech right in fact, and they are much like a second skin so it's true we can uh, should the inner, should the inactive organic matter not draw the things, we can draw the things as ourselves. Um, do the max uh, exhale? I mean, how does the thing know that we're inside it? I wonder. If it's a completely sealed environment, how can it tell that there's organic yummies inside the metal? case it, it might be venting the uh carbon dioxide or maybe just that it's moving and then for it thinks food yeah and anything that moves will also generate heat especially on the surface 
Can yes, we, they definitely give off a heat signature. Can we remote control a mech? Yes. So then we could stuff it with organic material and remote control it and jump right down its gullet and then... And then ignite the uh, liquid nitrogen. Yep. Oh, yeah, and right. then it put the magnets on and call it a day and uh, crack open and that one bottle of uh, whiskey I was able to dig out of the uh, rubble. And I put it up on the shelf as like a little uh, inspiration. Lefroig. Um, yep. I didn't uh, tell Absalom that during one of the ice quakes, his bottle fell off the shelf and shattered and I <laughs> replicated it while he was asleep. Oh. <laughs> um, as you guys are discussing this, an hour goes by. And uh, Absalom, you start to get a uh, transmission. Uh, it's gar it's garbled. It's um, it's obviously uh, from a close range uh, transmitter, uh, and it's somebody in a mech. Um, uh, they are at uh, Pavlov Station. Uh, he says, uh, "We turned it. We turned it. We managed to get it to turn away." How'd you do that? So we just hit it with everything that we had, and it, it was injured enough that it turned away. Did you see only one? Can yes, you we only saw one. Are there more? We, two stations were attacked almost simultaneously within oh, minutes of each other. Well, in any at, case, it can be attacked. Excellent. Where are you, and are... Are you coming to us? No, we're trying to make our way to Blixen Station. It's the closest one to us. I'll um, radio ahead and let them know. Yeah, tell them if they've got transports, we might be able to Copy move that. faster. So I go ahead and radio ahead that they have incoming. All right, so I assume you're going to set all of this up, yes? Yes. Well, let's see. Let's see if we can figure out what kind of damage that your your weapons will do. Um, you're going to have, you've got your gas rifles. You know what damage they can do. Um, are you going to make like, did you see you're going to make like a gauss cannon? Something that you could aim? Uh, we will say yeah, that I'm going to, I'm aiming for, depending on timing, two turret uh, Gauss shooters. Nice chunks of regularly shaped sharp slag fired as quickly as possible at a, at least a 180 degree angle if I can't manage 360. Okay. Um, let's see that those do um, 1D 100 times uh, 3. Uh, and let's just put a plus, plus 50 on that so that they do at least 50 when they hit. Yeah. Roll one, three, seven. That's my okay. kind of rolling. <laughs> uh, let's also, we don't know what, what your magnetic thing is going to do. I have no idea of knowing. Well, I figure we could take the um, the struts used to make uh, the 
with it. Lot the the pods. What are they called? The um the the thing that melts down in. Oh, the the harvester. Yeah, it would have to have struts that lock into the ice, so they would be spiked. I would assume to sure. dig into the ice. So we'll take as many of them as we could find, and place them so they they launch out. You know, the spike ends facing the circle, and then every nut and bolt and every other kind of if we got 10,000 bolts, we'll take a thousand of them. We get screws, we could take, you know, one tenth of each metallic item and just scatter them in a massive circle around the. Uh... Okay. Something I would like you to think about and consider is you have no way of testing it, um, which means you have no idea how close you can be to it before you guys are just, you just yanked off the. And flung at the. I guess well, you could probably use it with physics and math, but and we could take yeah, the user the manual for the device, and we would have to know how far away we'd have to be when it's in operation in our mech suits. I'm sure. Right. Yeah. We, yeah we'd yes, we can use the same schematic, the same uh, carefully wrought mathematics that the people used to devise the ship that was blown over and left a us gust of wind, stranded yeah. on this miserable rock <laughs> all right the figures were so good before hmm. your proximity alarm starts to go off the klaxon makes you jump um you can all do sanity rolls at that point because you know that it's coming uh, 64 my emotional state is not satisfactory i too am not prepared for this i passed by two i passed <laughs> If you, if you passed, uh, just take one point of damage. If you failed, I'd like you to do a 1d4 plus one. No, I failed. Here we go. I lost two points. Three more for me. Oh, Still well, only four. At least you didn't get five. <laughs> All right. So you guys, <laughs> you guys are miners. With an E. <laughs> we have been building up to things. You need to stop right. drinking the braking fluid. You need some for your for your mech to operate properly. Yeah, it's coming. All right. So I have to decide which one. All right, that one shows up. All right. Um, the proximity alert told you when it was 20 miles out. But within 10, uh, 10 minutes, you can feel the ground shaking. Um, you know that something's coming. Uh, cracks begin to appear in the ice around the station. Uh, but you, you can almost hear it at this point, coming definitely from that direction. Um, a few moments before it appears, you can see steam um, shooting up through cracks in the ice. And you can hear the sound of, uh, it almost sounds like scraping metal, um, as if some huge thing were being dragged through the ice. And then suddenly uh, it comes erupting out of the ground, looks very much like just a fountain of lava blasting up, except that it's just 
a giant worm. Um, and you see it's an enormous mouth. Uh, I think you should do another sanity roll right at that point. Oh, I found that. 77. 87. 14. Okay. Same thing. Uh, one, uh, uh, you can take two points of damage or uh, if, you, if you fail, if you've passed, or you can take uh, four plus one. Three points uh, total. 1d4 plus one? Yeah, 1d4 plus one. I have lost five points. My emotional Ooh. state is compromised. All right. Do an intelligence roll. Oh, not X. Not X. He's like, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> with the with the pass intelligence roll. Yes. Um, all right. 1D, 1D8 then. This might be One. Oh, power down. You just suddenly keel over. You faint at this. Probably you go and then just <laughs> black out. What a, what a time for the battery to run out. Oh, only for one round. Okay. Very shortly. I suspect X has some sort of automatic turnoff valve for conditions of excessive stress. Yes, my, my brain circuits have an emergency breaker. Just rebooting. Going into sleep mode. All right. The thing rears up and you see there's there there seems to be um, at least a level of intelligence there that it it stops where it is and it sort of it seems to be scanning back and forth looking for organic material. So um, I can re remote that that mech to start. Right. All right, and if you guys aren't moving, it definitely hesitates for a moment and then starts moving towards that mech. What's your next move? Ross, be ready with the ignition switch for that mech. Ready, standing by. I'll uh, I'll uh, hold my I'll hold still on my turret until it's got a flank toward me. Okay. I'm perfectly willing to let it take the bait and see what happens. All right. So uh, there's a moment of hesitation, but when the mech starts to move and and literally starts to try to move away, which you do, it it stampedes. It moves forward towards the mech, and in one sort of sort of very quick dive into the ice, you see it 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 eats the mech. It disappears. Uh, and then comes back out of the ice, maybe a hundred feet farther on, uh, turning back towards you. Two, two. Commence detonation. Yeah. All right. Detonate. Um, see, that's probably going to do a lot of damage. Do one d one hundred damage. Ross. One d hundred. Yeah. Okay. This this is definitely the time to roll high. Okay. Here we go. I, I'm, it's 2d10. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, 66. 66. You see the thing sort of this blast of light and smoke and stuff comes out of the creature's mouth 
and it sort of loudly burps and uh and you you hear it sort of roar as it as it shakes um and then it sort of starts barreling towards the station let it rip spider yo how far is it from the the magnet array it's is heading that... straight towards the magnet array oh you're going to start spider too all right now it's interesting because you're firing you're firing your gauss rifle so you, you're actually firing a projectile at a time we'll say about one around so it's all right so that was my sound effects uh go ahead and see if you hit it uh, you can use your uh whatever seems right fighting rifle or Would that be mech combat or is that physical combat? He's using a gun. So oh, he's... okay, okay. Mech combat is literally if you run up to the thing and start pinching okay. it with your little itty bitty pinchers. Uh, oh, uh, 33 for 35. So not sweet, but effective. Okay, roll for damage on your first hit. All right, and that's 1d100 times 3 plus 50. 44. Uh, 156. I had to do math in my head. Ever. So, yeah, just under 200. I'll take a shot with my uh, Gauss rifle. All right, go ahead. 10 out of 55. Oh, I'll spend one point to make it extreme. Nice. So that is 1D 100 plus 20, and that's an automatic 100 plus the roll. If yeah. it's impaling. Frick you, 07. So it's 107 plus 20. Oh, wait, does it get max? So it's 127 total. Yeah. Okay. With that kind of damage, uh, you can visibly see that you have torn into its flesh in a, a kind of a pattern going along the side and down. Uh, that's together with your damage. And the thing is badly injured. I want to, um, after I do my shot, I want to pull down to my knees and don't move at all. You know, like kind of crouch, just crouch down and in, and not move whatsoever. All right. Uh, so you drop down. The thing starts flailing about. Uh, I want to see if it actually does any damage to the... Yep. By now, uh, X, you have woken up. And you see that the battle's already be begun. Oh, we are still alive. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> don't, don't sound uh, too uh, happy about it. <laughs> I failed my luck, so it has not collided with the dome or anything yet. Harry, it's up to you. As soon as it's in range and as soon as it's in the kind of optimal position, flick the switch on the magnets. All right. Um... 
actually not magnetic. So um, all of the shrapnel goes flying, though, towards the center of the magnets. Uh, I'd say, you know, do a 1D50 just for flying sharp pieces of metal heading towards the center where it's standing. Okay, so that will be round down. Be 12. Okay. So you can see pieces of metal hit it. Most of it bounces off. Some of it uh, sticks in. Uh, but it doesn't seem to do much damage to it. What do the wounds look like? Does magma seep out of them? No. Does it look fleshy? It's just the, a, creature, it's like the creature only seems to be hot. It seems to be organic itself. So you are seeing some sort of fluids that it's spattering about. They don't look like magma. Mm. If, uh, if we survive this, we should get a sample of whatever came out of this fucking thing. Whatever you say. <laughs> uh, Ross, uh, check the array and see if we've got any more company coming because we look like we're doing all right so far. All right, scanning now. Am I detecting anything? Uh, let's see, do a luck roll. Scanning. Luck roll is a 05. Okay. 70. At the moment, you don't see anything else coming. Of course, the array is showing there's a tremendous amount of vibration, but that's because of this thing. Yeah. Um, I'm looking for another shot. If it's oh. do you want I to would do like anything? to introduce it to my laser cutter. Okay, so you're going to move towards it, huh? And try and punch it or cut it? Yeah, pretty much. All right. Uh, do a luck roll. Or two, I'm sorry, do an attack roll. Uh, as if you were brawling. Or, or what's the range of the laser cutter? Only about six feet. Oh, geez. Oh, so it's 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 a brawling. Oh, Jesus. I pass. Oh, no. All right. I got a 90. I got a, I got a 93. So let's say you run up, you leap, uh, you land on top of it, and you just start running your laser cutter down its back, if that's its back or its front or whatever it is. Um, do damage. And then Harry, what do you want to do? <laughs> 5d20 plus 20. Ouch. Yep. Just trying to find d20s because they're like rolling lots of dice at the same time all right whatever that's why i left that in there <laughs> i don't remember what i put your laser knife uh absalom uh, my lantern, the lantern knife. Your lantern knife. Five D ten plus ten. Uh, so that was eighty-seven. Ooh. All right. At this point, you have created a huge gash down the side of this thing. 
and it seems to be it starts to flail wildly uh do a luck roll x to see if you manage to get off and get out of the way before it hits you a 95 is not a satisfactory result all right Does he get a dodge? That's what he just kind of did. Oh, all right. Um, By dodge, you mean splat? Yeah. Not. Yeah, pretty much it hits you pretty full on. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say your mech probably travels at least 300 feet. Um, Roll a 1d20 for damage. Twelve. Did that kill you? Yes, it did. No. Okay. This thing is now flailing wildly. Um, Absalom, you're going to shoot it. Uh, Hell yeah. Spider, you're going to shoot it again. That's right. Why don't you With both roll? Extra vehemence after we lost yeah. X. I actually backed you up last week without telling you. All right, let me see. I rolled a 39. I'm going to spend luck because he just killed freaking X. Yeah, I rolled a 40. I'm going to spend five luck. All right. I'll spend a 28 luck to make it extreme. All right. You might not have to. All right. <laughs> Spider. How'd you do? All right. Yeah, I, I spent luck. I'm going to roll damage. 84 nice. times 3 is 272 plus 50 is 322. All right. Um, you guys aim at that area that, uh, that X cut open and you hit it with everything you've got and uh, the thing rise for a moment and then and then you you've literally cut it in half and it 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 falls to the ground and its body is twitching and while so you guys have to get away from it but it eventually slows down and stops moving you have killed one of them harry make sure that magnet's off and i go running in to reset the the I'm pulling whatever kind of metal, just throwing it off of the mag, the, the the array we set up to try and reset the you know buckshot essentially. Mm-hmm. I'm running out to uh, to X one seven nine. He might still be alive in my mech suit. I'm afraid uh, his suit's readings indicate that there is no uh, pulmonary activity. They could be wrong. It's broken. Download the brain core into the computer. Um, Unfortunately, uh, you can download all of his information, uh, but personality does not transfer. That personality Uh, was himself. So you have whatever knowledge he had obtained, but... Just hoping he can work remotely through the computer systems. Right? One seven nine is gone. Of course, you can upload his stuff into into one eighty. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a pity we can't. It would not be very inspirational to name the creature for him. If he had been named Everest or Indiana, we could call it the Indianosaurus or something, but X. Spider, uh, talk, talk and work. This bitch got a husband coming after us soon. I yeah, guess. Harry, is anything, uh, can you check the array? Anything coming? Nothing at the moment. Um, now we can play this out like we just did, or we can just say that now that you've killed one and you know they can be killed, you managed to kill the second one as well. And after that, everything kind of goes back to normal as much as it can. And eventually one of the other stations is alerted and they might manage, well, they give you an option. They could come and evacuate in case there's Hell more no. of these things, or if you want to continue with your mining. Yeah, I think the miners are all like, well, I'm not going to give up nine years of my life and not get paid. So everything goes back to normal. And that's more or less the end of our story. One like question. It. Yeah. The worm meat, if we were to uh, cut some of that up, is that, uh, if we run analysis on it, is that edible? Is it edible? Let's do a luck roll. I mean, the, we already have a lot more food than we have residents after the vast. Agenda. That is true. Um, I got a they? 22, so yeah, I mean, it's mildly. It probably tastes a little like fish. Okay, it just means we've got extra food if we need it. Excellent. And a lot of it being 600 Warm feet bacon. long. <laughs> okay. I will and, do uh, studies on the organic nature of the material that survives from these worms. It's very strange indeed. Um, part of the part of the substance of these things doesn't seem to actually exist in our universe. It seems to be phased in some way into some other world. Um, but uh, I can, we can tie that all together because what I was going to say earlier when you were trying to put things together is you have, you have filaments that are a thousand times stronger than steel. So if you wanted to put, you know, harpoons that you could fire and those things are um, actually made out of the spider webs of Apaknacha, which you guys figured out a long time ago and, uh, <laughs> you know, Kill that damn spider, but uh, use the use the, the, the fibers. In this case, these things are basically doles, but they're fire doles, if you will. Nice. Hot doles. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was the accident that awakened them. They they'll sleep for ten thousand years, and awaken to mate, and then sleep for another ten thousand years. And in this case, you just happened to be here and they were hungry. So that was the end of, of most of you. But you guys had some pretty serious fighting. I mean, I was now, awesome. that, now that you guys have moved out into outer space, aliens, yeah, just deal with it. You know. With extreme prejudice. Right. <laughs> well, All right. Yeah, the stuff that tears humans apart. 
we've got stuff against that because we live in places that tear stuff humans apart. Well, we'll we'll talk about it a little after after I finish. Um, our players included Matthew Sanderson, David Gassaway, Jason Melnichok, Morgan Llewellyn, and Stuart Lipley with myself as the keeper of the secrets. We have a Discord server where you can chat with our members, you can set up private games, you can learn the finer arts of gameplay and game mastery. There's a link below. We're currently producing up to four shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. The costs involved with the show are provided almost entirely by our patrons. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. If you'd like to help support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. You can find a link in the description below. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch the bell icon for updates on our latest shows and leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answering any questions you might have. This is Tom Braley together with all the members of our gaming club inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of HP Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck. Good game. Thank you.